if you do bet this hand and get raised, you can actually very confidently fold, especially in the small stakes games against players who are generally passive, generally not too out of line when it comes to being aggressive. You can value bet somewhat thin with the intention of folding if you get raised. That is a strong exploitative play to use against these players on average. Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 329 of Weekly Poker Hand. And today we have a doozy from Best Bet Jacksonville. Here we have a $17 raise. We're playing 2-2 no limit from Steve in the hijack seat. He has Ace of Spades, Queen of Diamonds. And normally you do not want to be making gigantic preflop raises. Here he's making an 8.5 big blind raise. There is no straddle or anything like that. So this is just a huge raise with his Ace Queen. Now there is an exception to this rule or this idea, and that is when the players yet to act are extreme calling stations. If they're going to call your preflop raise, no matter how big it is, with all sorts of nonsensical hands, then you might as well raise big to extract more value from those hands while you have the best hand. So normally you want to make a seven, eight, nine dollar raise, but when you're playing against players who are calling stations, you want to go bigger. The question is how much bigger can you go? And there's certainly some line where the garbage will start to fold. Like normally you think more than you know $15, the garbage is going to fold in these scenarios, but that's not necessarily true. So Steve is playing $481 deep against Kristen in the cutoff, who decides to call that $17 raise, no problem, with the 4-3 offsuit. Four spades, three of diamonds. Hmm. And then, right behind her on the button, we have Jeremy with queen eight suited, who calls a $17 raise. He only has 83 bucks in his stack, so he's playing very shallow stacked. Um, so... Notice here that Steve actually extracted a whole lot more value than I would have in this scenario because his opponents called with very, very marginal, junky hands. All right, flop comes. Ace, king, two, two clubs, giving Jeremy on the button a flush draw with a short stack. Steve top pair and Kristen a gut shot. This is a scenario where when Steve bets, he should usually use a big size of roughly $40 into this $55 pot. And that's because when you bet in this scenario, your opponents are going to continue if they have any ace, any king, any flush draw, and maybe even with the gut shot straight draws like uh, queen jack, queen 10, and jack 10. So given those hands are all pretty decent besides the gut shots, typically you want to bet using a larger size. If the board is very uncoordinated, like ace 7-2 with no flush draw, then you're going to want to bet smaller with your ace queen because the hands your opponents can have are generally just weaker. So let's see what Steve does. He does bet. He goes 35. Kristen should just fold this gut shot here. I realize she is pretty deep stacked with Steve. They both have $464 or so remaining in their stacks. So she may think she's getting decent implied odds because to be fair, if she always stacks Steve, wins his entire stack every time she drills a five, then calling's pretty good. The problem though is that when a five comes, Steve is realistically only gonna put his whole stack in if he's sitting here with like ace, king, and better. And it's pretty hard to have ace, king, or better. So whenever you do have a draw, you always want to ask, will I realize the implied odds I need to justify calling? And you're just not going to in this scenario. Um, also, every once in a while, you get the five of clubs and you still lose because somebody makes a flush. So this 4-3 should just be discarded pretty much immediately. She does like to call, though. And now, Jeremy has an interesting scenario on the button with the eight, uh, the queen eight of clubs 
Uh, the pot's already $125 facing a bet and a call. I think you probably just want to go ahead and raise immediately all in. You know you're going to get called by one player and probably both, but that's okay because you're going to have 35 to 40% equity in general, and you're only putting in a third of the money, right? So if you're putting in 33% of the money and you have between 35 and 40% of the money, looks like the cap he's going to have here is about 38% because he is against the top pair type hands. So with 38% equity, do you want to get your money in, knowing that you're putting in 33%, but you're going to get 38% back? And it turns out the answer is definitely yes, because if he's putting in, let's say, $83 times 3, well, here, I've got a calculator, I'll show you, $83 times 3 times 0.38 equals, so he's putting in $83, but he's going to get back $94 on average, not even including the pot, which he's going to chop up as well, right? So for this $83 bet, he's putting in 83, he's going to get back 94, and he's just going to be printing money by jamming here. Now, every once in a while, it goes poorly when you raise all in and then Steve re-raises and forces Kristen to fold, but that's not going to happen too often. And even then, it's still fine because there's a whole lot of money in the pot, right? 125 bucks already. So I think Jeremy probably just wants to shove immediately. Also, if you do get a club on the turn, there's certainly no guarantee that you are going to get paid if you do hit. He does decide to just call, though, and the turn is, ooh, the magic card, the five of diamonds. So the board's now ace of diamonds, king of clubs, two of clubs, five of diamonds, giving Kristen the straight. Whenever you call with the four three, it's always great when you flop or turn the nuts. All right. Now, should Steve continue betting? And I think he probably just should. Normally, ace-queen is going to be the best hand in this situation. If you do bet this hand and get raised, you can actually very confidently fold, especially in the small stakes games against players who are generally passive, generally not too out of line when it comes to being aggressive. You can value bet somewhat thin with the intention of folding if you get raised. That is a strong exploitative play to use against these players on average. Now, I don't know how aggressive Kristen and Jeremy are, but so far, Kristen has played very, a very loose strategy, but not a particularly aggressive strategy. And if your opponents are going to be very loose and splashy, it's fine to value bet them because they're going to call with a lot of hands that you beat. But when they apply aggression, very often you can get out of the way. Again, I don't know exactly how Kristen plays. First time I've ever seen her play poker, as far as I know, and that's just a broad assessment. All right. So anyway, Steve does decide to check. Kristen quickly bets $75 into the $160 pot. Um, Jer uh, Jeremy's just going to have to put it in for the last 48 with his flush draw because he's getting amazing odds. 48 into a pot that's going to be 283. Can't really fold there. And back around to Steve with his ace-queen. Tough scenario, but I think you should probably call. You have to understand, when it goes bet and call in front of you, you certainly are not loving the situation. But... It's fine enough. You should probably stick around given the amazing pot odds. You have to realize, though, you're not going to realize your equity especially well because if the river is a club or even a diamond or maybe like a jack or a 10 and you face aggression, you should probably fold. So you are going to get bluffed out of the, off the best hand sometimes. But um, even though he has a whopping 0% equity right here, I do think that he should probably call. But it is, it's not a slam dunk call. If he had ace nine or something like that, I would definitely prefer a fold. He does make the call, though. They're figuring out the side pot because Jeremy is all in for less than the 75. When you are playing against players who are using 
shallow stacks, you always want to make sure that you don't run into scenarios where you did not understand how many chips they have because that may result in you um, bluffing inappropriately or having to make loose calls or whatnot due to pot odds. Anyway, River is the 10 of diamonds, and now Steve is reaching for chips. It's an interesting play, given I just said it. You really don't want a jack or a 10 to come. So the backdoor flush arrived, and Steve actually does have the queen of diamonds. So maybe he thinks he's bluffing in this scenario. I'm not entirely sure. But this is a spot where Steve, in my mind, has a very easy check. And uh, on the 10 of diamonds, probably a call. I mean, you lose realistically to ace-10, ace-5, ace-2, pocket twos. That's about it. I mean, I know you lose to the random 4-3. I suppose you lose to backdoor diamond draws, like, say... Kristen did have queen jack of diamonds. He loses to that type of hand or queen nine of diamonds. But this is a situation where you still do have the best hand a decent amount of time. Obviously, she can't have the queen nine of diamonds though, or queen jack of diamonds because you have the queen of diamonds in your hand, right? Which makes check calling even a little bit better because you're blocking a lot of those obvious nut hands. And you have an ace, which blocks hands like ace five. So this is a spot where I definitely think Steve has a pretty easy check and then check call, assuming Kristen's not um, like overly passive. If she is overly passive, it still could be a check fold, but this is definitely a spot where Steve just needs to check. He does not need to get fancy and bet because when you bet in this spot, your opponent is always going to call with two pair. They're always going to call with straights and they're always going to call with sets and they're always going to call with flushes. So what are they going to fold here? They're going to fold out weak aces, right? And how does ace-queen do against a weak ace? Well, it wins, right? So there's really no benefit in bluffing in this spot. Now, maybe Steve thought he was value betting. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to him about this hand. But if Steve is value betting, he has to think that Kristen is just an extreme calling station. And to be fair, she did call preflop with a 4-3 and called a flop bet with a bad gut shot with a 4-3. So maybe she is. If she is an extreme calling station, I think you want to go kind of small because you're trying to get called by pretty marginal hands, mainly a king, right? So this is a situation where if you are going to bet, I think you definitely want to go on the small side. Pot's 150, or sorry, pot's 358. I think you want to bet something like 150 or 120 or maybe even like 90 because you are trying to get called by some pretty junky hands. But I definitely do think this is a pretty easy spot just to check and then check call. Unless, like I said, Kristen is very, very passive. He does bet, though. It looks like he's making a hefty bet. Looks like about 160, or how much does he bet? Yeah, $165. And pretty tough spot for Kristen with all of the hands in her range besides flushes. But realistically, it's kind of hard for Steve to have exactly a backdoor flush draw because he bet the flop, check called turn whenever the obvious uh, draw arrived, giving him plenty of equity. A lot of people just keep betting those hands. And now he's leading the river. It's like, eh, don't buy it. Also, pot odds exist, right? Here she has to put in 165 to win a total of, what, 700? You think she's going to think she's not good 20-ish, 22-ish percent of the time or so with even the junky hands in her range? She is. Also, she knows that Steve is capable of bluffing and or overvaluing hands. She should definitely call with all of her uh, two pair and better, which realistically is what she was representing on the turn. When she bets the turn into two people, she's representing her best made hands, straight sets, two pairs, and her draws. Some of the draws just got there, the flushes, and the clubs that missed have you know easy folds. So this seems like a pretty easy spot for Kristen to call in my mind, especially when one of the two flush draws misses. I understand it's always a little bit scary whenever the well one of the flush draws comes one of the gut shots comes but when you have a straight when you have two pair here you just need to call unless your opponent is very 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 weak and straightforward so she gives it a little thought finds the call i'm interested to see how steve looks right here 
because I haven't actually watched this. I wonder, like, I wish I knew what they were saying right here, because if, if like, Steve thought that he had the best hand in this scenario, he drastically overvalued his hand. If he thought he was bluffing... If you actually were trying to bluff two pair out of that pot, how much do you have to bet? I think the only bet size that's going to get it done is all in. Um, he had about a pot size bet left, I believe. Yeah, he did have a pot size bet left. So in that spot, if you are going to somehow turn your top pair into a bluff that has a lot of showdown value, if you do decide you must bluff this hand, I think the only play is all in because you're trying to get two pair to fold. And two pair is always going to call a small bet. So when you are bluffing, you need to use a much bigger size. If you were value betting though, Steve, you should use a smaller size in order to try to get called by the weaker hands. And when you happen to be beat, you also lose a little bit less. So that's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, click like, click subscribe. I would appreciate it. Also, check out my training site, pokercoaching.com. We have loads and loads of fun, entertaining, and educational content there for you, including over a thousand interactive quizzes. If you liked this video, if you already clicked the like button like I asked you to just a second ago, then you're going to love pokercoaching.com and the quizzes because they are like this, but even more interactive. Sometimes I'm playing the hands. Sometimes my students are playing the hands. And we have other world-class coaches there who are playing their hands and giving you their real-time immediate feedback to make sure that you are playing well and thinking about the right things at the table. So check that out at pokercoaching.com. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for taking the time to watch this video. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want more strategy lessons, pre-flop charts, and interactive quizzes, make sure you get your free membership to pokercoaching.com right now at pokercoaching.com slash free. I'll talk to you next time.